And again, I want to welcome all of you to the house of God. Thank you all for being here this morning. It's always a privilege to be in the house of the Lord. David said, I was glad when they said we should go to the house of the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Father, we give you praise and we give you glory. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for all that you are about to do. We thank you for all that you have done. We give you praise because after listening to your word, we can never remain the same. Our lives can never remain the same. We are leaving this place encouraged. We are leaving this place edified. We are leaving this place blessed. Thank you, Adonai. Receive all the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. amen. Your amen is very, we are saying the name of Jesus. Amen. You may take your seat. Amen. Now when you come to the house of God, you have to feel free, you have to be excited. You know, I remember uh, when we used to be in the world and we are in a secular gathering, we have to make ourselves known. We have to signify that I was present in that occasion. And so this morning, as I share with you the word of God, I want you to get excited. I want you to hear what God is saying. And I want you to receive what God is telling you this morning. Amen. We are going to start a series today about the believer's identity, knowing who you are in Christ. Knowing who you are in Christ. Knowing who you are in Christ. There is a story about a hunter that went to, went to the forest. And he found a baby lion. The lion was so young that the hunter could not kill the lion or eat the lion. So he brought the lion home. And this man had a, had a lot of goats. So when the lion came home, the hunter decided to mingle the lion with the goats. So the goats started growing with the lion. I mean, the goat grew with the, uh, the lion grew with the goats. And everything the goats ate, the lion also ate. Because the lion did not know who it was. When the goat went to the field to eat grass, the lion also went to the field and ate grass. When the goats ran away from people, the lion also ran away. The lion was always in the group of the goats. Until one day, when they had eaten grass in the field, and they went to a little stream to go drink water. As they were drinking water, the lion was able to see the reflection of his image in the water. And the lion turned around and looked at the other goats, and it was not the same. And then the lion realized that I'm not the same with these people. The lion crossed the stream and went into the forest and never came back again. I want you to tell somebody by your side, you've been eating grass for too long. It is time for you to become who God wants you to be. You are not telling your neighbor, say, tell your neighbor, you've been eating grass for too long. It is time for you to rise and become who God wants you to be. Tell the number again, you've been among goats for too long. It's time for you to become a lion. Say, so you've been a goat for too long. It is time for you to become a lion. Amen. Amen. We have an identity crisis today in the world. People are getting depressed. People are getting sick. Being that they don't understand who they are or they don't understand their identity. 
You come to men or women, we have identity issues. Women tend to find identity with their hair, with their eyelashes, with their makeup. Those things identify them. Some people even go as far as modifying their body parts, getting extra behind, extra front, and extra things in order to give themselves an identity. And I was thinking this morning, lad, if Congress passed a new law and said, from now, no makeup, no additional thing for any woman. All women go natural. And all women should shave their heads like men. There'll be real trouble in the world. But everybody has to understand that those things that you attach to yourself is not your identity. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Men tend to find their identity in the things they possess, the car they drive, the house they live, the kind of job they do. It tends to identify them. So when you introduce yourself somewhere, like I remember that sometimes there are people, let's say you work in Walmart, and what they ask, what do you do is I'm into marketing. <laughs> you want to tell them that I work in Walmart as a stalker because people tend to find identity in the things that they do. Is somebody hearing me? Or you're doing security. So what do you do? I'm, I'm into cyber security. Yes, cyber security. <laughs> what kind of security? Data center security. Because we think that if I tell them exactly what I do, they are going to look down on me or look up on me or something. We tend to find our identity in the things we possess or in the things that we do. But hear me this morning. A man's real identity does not consist of what he has, what he wears, what he looks, the car he drives, the house he stays, or the family he comes from, but a man's real identity consists of his intrinsic value in Christ. Amen. Is somebody hearing me? Yes, Who you are as a person inside is your identity. There is a story about a lady who had a very big nose and decided to do a plastic surgery to reduce her nose. It became so slim and so fine. And a man saw this lady and was interested in this lady. And like, wow, if I get married to a woman like this, this combination, we're going to give a child, give birth to a child, that the child is going to be wonderful. But you know, you can modify how you look outside, but you can't modify your genes and your DNA. When the lady got pregnant, the child came out with the same big nose, and the man sued the lady for deception. Because he realized after that, nobody in my family has this nose. Where is this child coming with this nose? My wife does not have this nose. So when the man began to investigate, he realized that the wife had done a plastic surgery to reduce the nose. And the nose came back again in the form of a child. Your real identity is not how you look, it's not what you wear. This suit is not clement. Is somebody hearing me? This is not who I am. Who I am is the man behind, inside, all what you see. Is anybody hearing me? So sometimes people tend to carry themselves like something because of how they dress. Or sometimes just because you carry a Gucci bag, you feel like now you're something. And when you go somewhere, people have to know that you're there because you feel that I'm carrying a bag that is expensive. Don't let the things you have and the things you possess deceive you and corrupt your identity. Is somebody hearing me this morning? I say, is somebody hearing me this morning? The fulfillment of your divine purpose begins with the discovery of your identity. The fulfillment of your purpose on this earth begins with the discovery of your identity. If you don't know who you are, you cannot fulfill what God made you to be. You will struggle to be like other people. You will strive to be like somebody that God never created you to be. But this morning as we go into this series, 
I want you to understand that God has made you somebody. Amen. Amen. Nothing that you possess defines you. The car you drive does not define you. The house you stay does not define you. The village you come from does not define you. The country you come from does not define you. The kind of job that you do does not define you. Is somebody hearing me? Don't let those things deceive you. And some people have inferiority complex. You step into the midst of people and you maybe find, you find five women discussing. And maybe you are doing a small job that is paying you 13, 25. And as you step into that means, say, sister, what do you do? I work for the state department as the personal assistant to this person. Then this one, what do you do? Well, I opened my own business five years ago. I'm a CEO. I have 300 employees. Sister, what do you do? Well, I have a couple of businesses in D.C. Then you, now, you think about how am I going to introduce myself in this place? You are already so inferior because you've heard what they are doing. They may be all what they say, but inside of them, they are nothing. Is somebody hearing me? Don't allow the titles that people carry make you think that is their identity. I am not who, I am not where I walk. I am not where I stay. I am not what I wear. I am not what I possess. I am who I am in Christ. Is somebody hearing me this morning? I am who I am in Christ. When we get to heaven, there will be no manager in heaven. No IT director in heaven. No accountant in heaven. No specialist in heaven. No doctor in heaven. Brothers and sisters, we shall be in heaven. Is somebody hearing me? So you need to develop who God has made you to be in him. Not trying to give yourself accolades on earth. That is why some people struggle with titles. One man is called reverend, doctor, bishop, apostle. One man. Because we think that after all those accolades we add to our titles, it's going to make us something. If you call me Clement, the same person. Pastor, the same person. Reverend, the same person. Ngala, the same person. That black boy, the same person. Nothing really changes about me, no matter how you call me. Is somebody hearing me? Because my identity is not in my title. My identity is not in the things that I possess. My identity is in Christ. Is somebody hearing me? I am who I am by the grace of God. Amen. Amen. Now for us to understand where we are driving to this morning, you need to understand what, like I said last week, for you to understand what God is saying, you need to understand the context of where the scripture came from. In verse number four, Peter opens this pericle by saying that Jesus was rejected by men, but he was chosen by God. Now, anytime you have an opportunity to hear the word of God and make a change in your life, and you reject that opportunity, you are not just rejecting that opportunity, you are also rejecting Christ. Anytime you hear the word of God, and you decide not to yield to the word of God, but you decide to do contrary, you are rejecting Christ and not just that opportunity. And in verse 5, it says, He as living stones or lively stones are being built into a spiritual house. Now, every believer is a stone. Every believer is a stone that is designed to fit into the building of Christ. So many of us here are like, you know, if you've, if, if you've ever been to a construction site, they cut blocks in different shapes. Some are small blocks, some are bigger blocks, but we all build a bigger house. That is why as a church, if you are not playing the role you are supposed to play, the whole building is affected. Because you may be that build, that block that is at the pillar, at the corner of the house, that if you are taking off, everything goes down. There is a game my wife introduced us to uh, during the happy hour, they call it, whether it's Jinga, what they call it, Jinga. And they start these things and you, you take one after the other. And the person that removes 
the block that causes the whole thing to fall, loses the game. Now, many of us are like that. You may not be very significant as far as the whole building is concerned, but when you are taken out of the structure, everything goes down. The church may not be functioning as it's supposed to function because there is somebody who has refused to fit themselves into the structure. So play your part so that the building can be complete and the building can be standing. Is somebody hearing me this morning? And he says in verse 5, he says, I lay in Zion a cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Listen to me. Christ is our cornerstone. Christ is our rock. Christ is our anchor. Everything you have can go away. Your job can go away. Your title can go away. I have somebody that I've been privileged to meet some years ago. And the story of this man is pathetic. This man used to own a gas station in the United States. A few years ago, he had a limousine. He used to drive a limousine in this country. But something happened to him. At the gas station, the tank where the gas was stored burst on the ground. And all, everything leaked on the ground. The insurance did not cover the damage. Then he ended up owing the gas company that supplied him gas for his petrol station. Because of that, he had to sell the petrol station, sell his mansion that he had in Haymarket, and then moved to Rentage, sold his house, and became a pizza delivery guy. Now that is to tell you that everything you possess today, in a twinkle of an eye, it can all go away. But let me tell you, if you have Christ in your life, you can always bounce back. Because Christ is a cornerstone that will never go away. Your job can go away. Your wife can even go away. There are people that get married, they love themselves. One morning, they must say, I don't like you anymore. I found another guy, and they leave. But if you have Jesus Christ, anything can go away. But Jesus is the only rock that will only be permanent, that can only be, 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 be taken away if you let him go. But he will never go away. Hallelujah. In verse 7 and 8, it says, To who believe? To those who believe, Christ is precious. But to the unbeliever, a rejected stone and a rock of offense. What does this mean? Anytime we hear the word of God as believers, it is pleasing to our soul. For example, if we tell a true born again child of God that the way you dress is not appropriate, that believer understands that you are correcting me for my good. They take it as a correction. But if you tell the one who is not willing to please God, they get offended. Who are you to tell me how to dress? Because they are not willing to do anything that will benefit their spiritual life. They want to do what is pleasing to themselves. That is what he said. Christ becomes a rock of offense to the unbelievers. Sometimes when people hear a message from the pulpit, instead of, instead of them getting changed or repenting, they get offended. They rather change the message they hear than change what is going on with them. So he says that for those who are believing, Christ is precious. But to those who are unbelievers, who are disobedient, it is a rock of offense. Some people don't like hearing the gospel, not because the gospel is bad, because the gospel prohibits or objects everything that they have the desire to do. But this morning, it says to us who are believers, Christ is precious. And everything he says is precious. And everything he's doing is precious. His corrections are precious. His instructions are precious. And everything he's doing for us is to make us better than what we can ever be. Hallelujah. And then in verse number 9, which is where our series is going to focus for the next four weeks, it tells us about who we are in Christ. Amen. Amen. Who we are in Christ. Like I said, 
The fulfillment of your divine purpose begins with the recognition of your true identity in Christ. If you don't understand who you are in Christ, you can never become what God has made you to become. Amen. I told you the story about a little boy that grew up with a father. The father was very, very wealthy, but the not wealthy in, in a physical sense. The father worked everything, and the plan was for the father to pass everything down to his children. So the father eventually died. He signed all the bank papers and everything and put it in the child's name. Nobody knew about it. And where they were staying after the father died, they could no longer afford to pay the light bills. So the company came and cut off the light. They could no longer afford the water. They came and cut off the water. They had to go back to use the neighbor's restroom because now they couldn't flush their own toilet because there was no way to pay the water. They had to go to the neighbor's house to use everything until when the barrier was complete. And the brothers came and said, but your dad seemed to have worked very hard and made a lot of money. Why are you guys struggling? And the boy said, for all these years, of all these months since he left, there was really nothing in his account. We checked everywhere in the house. There was really nothing in all the drawers. All his saves is empty. Except these few papers that I, he wrote for me, which I plastified to just make sure that I have something to remember my dad. And somebody said, bring me the papers. I want to brought the papers to the guy, the lawyer. The lawyer read the plan and discovered that these were titled this to all his companies, to all his houses, and to everything that he had that he gave to his son. But this guy went for several months using the neighbor's restroom, several months without water, several months without cable, without anything, because he did not know what the father had given to him. Now, I say this to say this. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you can be a child of God suffering. You can be a child of God oppressed by the devil. You can be a child of God moving from one place to another, hopeless and frustrated, because you don't know who you are. But I believe as we cover this series, you will come out from this place with your head up high because you will understand who I am in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Just imagine today that somehow by accident, they come and tell you that you are not a cousin of Barack Obama. Somehow, I don't know. Even your work will change. Your, your attitude in the morning and work will change. If your boss says nothing to you, I say, get out. You can, you can fire me. Because you now know who you are. I am not just a local guy in Manassas. I have some connections with some people in high places. Hallelujah. But what about, what about understanding that you are not just a cousin to Obama, but you are a child of God? Is somebody hearing me? Like somebody was saying that, who is, who, is, who, is, who is the president I can't talk to? I talked to God this morning. I can't talk to you. See, I can't talk to the president. I spoke to God this morning. I was able to have a conversation with God this morning. And you tell me I can't talk to the president. Who is greater than God? If I'm able to talk to God one-on-one, -on -one, I go down on my knees and we have a conversation, and you tell me there's a local senator in D.C. I can't talk to. You need to know who you are in Christ. Amen. The first thing we are going to understand this morning that God says we are, number one, he says we are chosen. I thought somebody could say amen. amen. He says we are chosen. The Bible says in Matthew 22, 14, it says many are called, but few are chosen. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, but ye are a chosen generation. There is a difference between being chosen and being elected. When you are going for an election, you have to run a campaign. People have to like you. People have to believe in you. Sometimes they have to believe even in your past. Have you realized that in this country, 
If you step out today to run for a public office, something about your past is going to come up. Have you realized that today? A woman that you knew 20 years in kindergarten is going to show up. Say, while we were in daycare, this boy touched me in a way I didn't like in this country. And that can be the reason why you lost that election. That is exactly what happened to Hillary Clinton. When the emails pop up, by every indication, she was supposed to win that election. But when things began to pop up about her life, her career, and everything, America was like, uh, we don't, we're not sure we can trust this person. But let me tell you something. When it comes to choice, when it comes to God choosing somebody, whether the whole world says you are immoral, you are corrupt, if God says I've chosen you, he has chosen you. Yeah. Is somebody hearing me? It has nothing to do with your campaign, who likes you, where you come from, the village you come from, how you look, whether you are tall or short. If you are chosen by God, you are chosen by God. Is somebody hearing me this morning? That is why it says in John 15, 16, say, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you that you may go and bear fruits and fruits that will abide. Hallelujah. I didn't, I didn't run a campaign to become a child of God. Imagine if I had to run a campaign, let's say in Cameroon, Say we are running campaigns to qualify to be Christians. There are girls from primary school that will show and say, while I was in primary school, this boy assaulted me during lunch break. And that may be my disqualification. Or somebody will show and say, while I was working with this boy, he said something inappropriate. But God did not hear what men were saying. He decided to choose you to be a child of God. Amen. Amen. Tell somebody you are chosen. chosen. I said, tell somebody by your side, you are chosen. God just came to Cameroon, went to the Northwest region, did not go to Great Division, did not go to Ndongitundia, did not go to Belo. He went to a, a, a division close to Nigeria, did not go to Nkambe, did not go to Ntumbo, did not go to any place. He came to a local place called Ndua. I said, I like this boy. I am choosing this boy. What a privilege. What a privilege. Tell somebody you are chosen. Some of you come from villages where your village is not, it's not even in the map of Cameroon. But God decided to choose you. Tell someone again, you are chosen, you are chosen. Hallelujah. Not by campaign, decided to choose me. What does it mean to be chosen by God? Number one, there is nothing you can do to disqualify yourself. No, like I said, if you run a campaign, you make campaign promises, right? You say, when I become a senator... I will do this. But when you are chosen, you, you don't have to make any promise. So when God has chosen you, there is really nothing you can do to disqualify yourself because he chose you. You're not trying to please God by anything. It's like, for example, a man met you during the, during the days you're going to the farm. You are no clothes on. You are no makeup. Your hair was not done. And the man loved you. And now that you are married, you are trying to do makeup to please the man. Are you stupid? This man loved you when you had nothing. Exactly. Jesus Christ picked you up when you were nothing. There is really nothing you can do to please God. All you have to do is just accept who you are, understand your identity in him, and serve him. Hallelujah. And I tell you this from the book of Esther. Esther was a young uh, slave girl, an orphan, had no parents. She lived with her, her uncle, Mordecai. And one day, the queen disobeyed the king. And the king decided he was going to choose another wife. And he said, now I want all the virgins in this province to present themselves before the king for a selection. In other words, there was going to be a beauty context 
and the most beautiful lady was going to be chosen as, as queen. Now, people who had the background, who had the makeup, who could buy Mary Kay and buy all these things women buy, they went and stuck up their, their, their clothes and everything with good dresses, with good Brazilian mesh and everything. Esther had none of those backgrounds, nothing that could qualify her to become the, the queen. But there is something that Esther had. Esther had God. I said Esther had God. And while others were doing makeup, Esther was fasting and praying. The Bible said when Esther stepped into the presence of the king, the context was over. The king said, number 105 to number 5,000, you guys can go home, the context is over. I found the person I'm looking for. Now listen, when Esther became queen, there was a law that until the king calls you into his chambers, you cannot go into the king's chambers. And there was a day Esther had a trouble because the Jews were about to be destroyed. And Esther said, I'm going to go into the king's chambers. If I perish, I perish. And when Esther went into the king's chambers, she was surprised that the king said, what is it that I can do for you up to the half of my kingdom? The reason why Esther could not be disqualified from a king is because Esther did not choose herself. God chose Esther and placed Esther in the place to be queen. Is somebody hearing me? There are some of you who feel so low about yourself because of a certain mistake you made, because of a certain sin that you commit. You feel so down about yourself. But let me tell you, God is not looking at the sin you commit. God is looking at the steps that you're willing to take out of that sin. That is why he says, a righteous man shall fall seven times and rise again. Is somebody hearing me this morning? There is nothing you can do to disqualify yourself from God's choice. Even Osama bin Laden could be saved. If he gave his life to Christ. Even Saddam could be saved if he gave his life to Christ. Even Paul Bia can be saved if he gave his life to Christ. Nobody is rejected by God. If you are chosen by God, there is nothing you can do to disqualify yourself. Hallelujah. So when you commit a sin, repent and keep moving. You tell some people, come to well, I still smoke from time to time, so I don't really think I'm good to come to church. They feel that by the things they've done, they are not qualified. When God has chosen you, he has chosen you. Hallelujah. Number two, God is responsible for the outcome of your life. What does that mean? If somebody says, it's only in this country that things are different. Because in Cameroon, if somebody says, let us go out and eat, you are responsible for the bills. Right? But in this country, if somebody says, let's go out and eat, you better, you better have your own share of the money. Because the, 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 the logic is, I'm in my house, Jimmy. I, I didn't tell I'm hungry. I didn't complain to you. You come to my house and tell me, let's go and eat. And then you expect me to pay for what you ask me to go and eat. But let me tell you, God is different. When God says, let's go and eat, God is responsible for the bills. Is somebody hearing me? When God says, come, I'm choosing you. I'm bringing you to the United States. I'm calling you to be my child. God is responsible for the outcome of your life. That is why he said, do not worry about what you will wear, what you will eat, what you will drink. It says, for pagans, worry about those things. But seek it first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. God is responsible for your life. I'll tell you the truth. Things may not be the way they look. You want them to be today. But I'll tell you in the future, everything is going to come together. Because God is responsible. That job you desire is going to come. Amen. That career you desire is going to come. Amen. That house you desire is going to come. Amen. The husband you desire is going to come. Amen. 
Whatever you are craving and looking for, God is responsible. It will come to pass. Amen. Amen. Just imagine that by somehow Donald J. Trump said, Pastor, let's go to Marcus Neiman and Shaw. Do you think I look at the prices? <laughs> it's not my concern. It's not my credit card. It's not my debit card. I just pick, 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 pick. I'm not the one paying. But there are some of us that we're working with God in the store. And God is telling you, pick that dress. Hey, Gucci, I cannot touch it. It's too expensive. You are not the one responsible. All what God wants to do is believe. It says, if you believe, all things shall be possible. If you believe it, God can give it to you. Amen. If you believe it, God can give it to you. God is responsible for the outcome of your life. Think about Joseph. When Joseph was appointed or called by God to be who he, he, he was called to be, everything about Joseph did not permit him to be who what God has called him to be. Thank you. Looking at Joseph, no education. Their brothers hated this boy for many reasons. And I kind of sympathize with the brothers because can you imagine that you are like 11 boys in your family? We all know in Africa that the oldest boy is the one who succeeds the father. That's natural. It's not something you argue. We just know that when paradise, big brother is going to take over, then whatever he tells us to do, we do it. That's how it runs in the family. But now, the father gives Joseph a coat, which in that coat symbolizes successors. Anytime somebody gave their son a coat of many colors, it was an announcement to the community that after I die, this one take over. And this boy did not keep the coat in his closet. He wears the coat around. And walking around like, hey, bro, see the coat? That is why their brothers could die when they see this boy. They say, we'll kill this guy. The elder brother who is supposed to succeed is like, look at this boy in my face. Everywhere they go, Joseph will show up. One time they're in the field, they didn't call him. He showed and said, look at the dream man, let's kill him. But let me tell you, because he was chosen by God, nobody could kill Joseph. They put him in the pit for him to die. They said, well, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. They didn't know that. Joseph could not afford a visa, neither a plane flight. The selling they were selling was actually giving him an immigration visa to go to the country of his destination. Once he got to, to his destination, he was put in the house of Potiphar. Not in any other house. Everything was orchestrated by God. When Joseph was sent to prison, Joseph was not Pharaoh's criminal because there was a particular prison where all Pharaoh's criminals were kept. But somehow by the hand of God, Joseph was placed in the same jail where Pharaoh's prisoners were kept. And that is where he had an encounter with a guy who went and told Pharaoh about a guy and met in prison. God will order your life. God will order your steps in this land. Is somebody hearing me? I said God will order your steps in this land. Nothing will happen to you by accident. Any job you don't get, God is working behind the scenes. Any disappointment you, don't, you have, God is working behind the scenes. Any trouble you see, God is working behind the scenes. Everything you go through in this country as a child of God, God is doing something beyond your imagination. Is somebody hearing me? God is responsible. God is responsible. So you relax. You don't cry over things. Just look up to heaven and give him praise. Because the glory that will be revealed cannot be compared with the present suffering. Number three, what does it mean to be chosen by God? God has a place for you in heaven. God has a place for you in heaven. Listen to what Jesus said to his, to his followers. In John 14, chapter 2, he said, In my Father's house are many mansions. 
If it were not so, I should have told you. He said, I am going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may also come. Like I said in the beginning, there is nothing you can do to earn a place in God's kingdom except you are chosen. And God is telling us this morning that we have a place in the kingdom of God. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm going to heaven. I don't know whether you're coming. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to heaven. I don't know if you're coming. I don't know whether you have the same direction like me, but I'm going to heaven. I'm going. I don't know. I don't know whether you have another destination, but I'm going to heaven. Are you coming? Are you coming? Hallelujah. Now, to give you understanding about this point, there is a teaching that the Jehovah's Witnesses say that only 144,000 people are going to go to heaven. That's what they teach. But in the same Bible where they read, they forget to read all the scripture because in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 7, which they read, it says that after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, of all tribes, including women, people, they were inside. People from Ghana, from Ivory Coast, from Cameroon, from Syria alone, from Haiti, from America, they were all inside. It said, and tongues standing before the throne of the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to a God who sits on the throne of the Lamb. So 144,000 was for Israel. But he said, I looked and I saw another number, another group that could not be numbered. So if you believe that, you are not going to go to heaven. Like they are moving around telling people that when we are all gone, I'll be staying in Hilton. I'll be staying in D.C. You better stay with them. But me, I'm going to heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. There's no way I can stay in this cold or in this heat. I'm going to a better place. Amen. There's no way I can live in this place with potholes, with this racism and everything. I'm going to a place of no color, no tribe, no race, no discrimination, no crime, no pain, no tears. That's where I'm going. Amen. Listen. Many of us do the things we do because we don't know who we are. Listen, a local guy can be this Manasseh. The moment that guy maybe becomes a congressman or a senator, you agree with me that even if he was your friend, you cannot get to him anyhow. You have to call to book appointments. Sometimes even when they are not busy, they make themselves busy to create importance. So people have to act in senator because they know who they are. The reason why we still act in a certain way, do the things we do, act in sin, live in sin, live in compromise is because we don't really understand who we are. When you understand that out of everybody, God decided to choose you to be a Christian, your dedication will be different. Hallelujah. Your attitude towards God will be different. I'll tell you this story and I close. There is a guy who is the richest man now in the Middle East. True story. Richest man in the Middle East. This guy was the son of a lady who was a single mom in Europe. And this, this, guy who, this guy who was the richest guy now, his father went to study in the UK. And while they were in school, the father had a relationship with this lady. And then the lady got pregnant. And then he went back to his country, had no idea that he had a child. After he got back to his country, they discovered oil in his father's, father's land. That oil is, is coming out like crazy. Crude oil. So rich. But he had no child. So he's thinking, am I going to give all these things to my brothers, my sisters who inherit these things? Somehow, news came to him that there is a guy in Europe that looks like you. Somebody saw this child and said, this boy looks like somebody I know. And after everything, 
they did the DNA and he was connected to that rich guy. This guy was in Europe, homeless, struggling from place to place, rejected by jobs, going for interviews, never had a job, doing all the cop jobs that he wants. And one day he sits and the private jet comes and says, we want to see you somewhere. The guy thinks he's being kidnapped. They take him to Saudi Arabia. And the guy enters a palace. He thinks he's in heaven. No, we are so poor. Every good thing looks like heaven. You walk in a place where it's like, wow. Wow. You begin to turn around like you're the missing. Wow. Wow. And they call him. And he said, it's your father. The guy embraced the son. Right there, signed everything, all his will, his in every deed into the guy's name, one week after he dies, this guy becomes the richest man in the Middle East. Now, if you, if you meet this guy after, that things have changed. I say, hey, hey, Terrence, hey, 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 do I know you somewhere? Attitude will change because now there is a different identity. Is somebody understanding me? The reason why believers still live like sinners and do the things they do is because they have not understood who they are in Christ. When you understand who God has made you, your work will be different. You are to be different. You don't go to job and your friends are cursing, you join them to curse. Your friends are stealing, you join them to steal. You are different. You've been chosen by God. You've been selected by God. You are a special person. The hand of God is upon you. You are distinguished. You are not ordinary. Is somebody hearing me? You are different. So today, I want you to understand you've been chosen by God. Some people say that, those who have not given their lives to Christ they have not been chosen. No, you rejected God's choice. God has chosen everybody. But it's left for you to say, yes. It's just that when you propose to a girl, I want to marry, the girl has a choice to say, yes or no. It's the same way. When God chooses you, you can say, well, God is like, well, I like cigarettes, I like women, there's no way I can accept that choice. You can walk away. But those who recognize that choice say, God, what a privilege to be called a child of God. What a privilege. I'm not just a child of a president. I'm a child of God. Amen. Amen. I watched a post on Facebook the other day that was very funny. Two little kids were discussing. Two little brothers who are twins. And one asked the brother, do you know anybody famous? The little boy said, well, I don't want to brag, but I heard dad saying this morning that, that God was his father. So I don't want to brag. <laughs> so do you know anything? So I, heard, I heard our father say this morning that God was his father. So if God is our dad's father, then we are famous. That's, that's the implication. If our father says that God is his father, then we are famous. Hallelujah. You need to know who you are. You are a child of God. Amen. Better than a child of a president. You are a child of God. Can we stand on our feet? If you are going to forget everything I said this morning, I want you to remember that you've been chosen by God. Amen. You've been chosen by God. You've been chosen. You cannot compromise. You cannot live anyhow because God's hand is upon your life. Amen. Amen. You have to walk with confidence and understand that your life in this country will not be like everybody's life because you've been chosen by God. Amen. God is ordering your steps. God is responsible for your, the outcome of your life. Many of us are making it in this country not because of our efforts or you will not make it because of your effort because God is with you. Hallelujah. God is with you. Amen. If you are here this morning, I want to accept that God's choice. God has chosen me. You've never accepted that choice. I want you to close your eyes and talk to them and say, God. Or maybe you've accepted the choice, but you never really understood what it meant. You want to say, God, today, I understand I've been chosen. And today I'm going to walk with confidence as a child of God. Open your mouth, close your eyes, and talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord.
Talk to the Lord. Somebody talk to the Lord. I've been chosen. I've been chosen. I've been chosen. I've been chosen. Thank you, ancients of days. Thank you, rock of ages. Thank you, king of kings. Thank you, man of war. I've been chosen. I've been chosen. Glory, glory to your name. I've been chosen. Thank you, lady of the valley. I've been chosen. I've been chosen. What a privilege to belong to you. I accept that choice today. I accept that choice today. I accept that choice today. To walk with you in righteousness. To obey you. To live in faithfulness. Thank you, ancients of days. Receive the glory. In the name of Jesus. Father, as we come to you this morning, we acknowledge that we have not lived the way we needed to live. We did not understand that we, we were chosen. But this morning, we accept that choice. We accept that responsibility. We accept the privilege. And we come to you today, Lord, saying, grant us the grace, the grace to follow you, the grace to do your will, the grace to walk in righteousness, the grace to hate sin and to love holiness. That after today, when people see us, may they see something different about us. When people hear us speak, may they hear something different about us. May our words be seasoned with grace. That when people hear, they are encouraged. They are edified. They are built up. Help us, Adonai. Take the glory. In Jesus' name.